Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of iPhone Life Podcast. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhoneLife.com. And I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life Magazine. We've got an awesome show for you today. We all got our iPhone 6s, 6, 6s meaning 6s, I pronounce it plural. <laughs> uh, and we're going to give you a hands-on uh, review of it. Uh, we're also going to talk about our favorite 3D touch apps. We're going to talk about new cases for the 6s. And we're going to talk about anything else we're going to talk about? Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Apple Music. And Apple Music. Okay, cool. So before we get into it, um, I want to take a minute to tell you guys about iPhone Life tip of the day. Uh, Every day we send you a free email tip with a cool thing you didn't know you could do with your iPhone or iPad. So go check it out, iphonelife.com slash daily tips. Uh, Sarah or Donna, I don't remember which one was going to answer this, Uh, what was your favorite tip for this week? Well, this week we had a tip about how to disconnect a Bluetooth device from your phone, which is especially handy if you have um, Bluetooth speakers at home and you want to switch off which device you're playing music from. That used to be a real pain, um, and now you just go into your settings and there's a button that you can press that says disconnect. Uh, and then you'll be easily able to pair a different device. And now that's different from uh, forget the device, right? How is that different? Well, it's different because when you go to connect it again, it will just automatically connect. You don't have to do the pairing process over again. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, that's great for me because I always have um, a Bluetooth speaker in my car, and so I'll leave my car, I'll be playing music in my house, and then every once in a while, like, the Bluetooth speaker in my car, which is battery-powered, kicks in, and I keep having to, like, switch back and forth, so that's a great tip. Yeah, it will stop trying to connect, too, so it just cuts out the confusion. I love this tip, too, because we have a Bluetooth speaker in our bathroom, and four different devices using it when they're showering, and so it's really (laughs) handy for not to hear someone else's music unexpectedly. All right, so for tips like that, iphonelife.com slash daily tips, and let's start the show. Uh, Sarah, I lied when I said we all got our six S's. Sarah has not gotten hers yet, so she's going to moderate and ask Don and I some questions. Sarah, are you getting the success? I am, but my carrier does not have any six, 64 gigabyte phones in stock, so I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do what I did last time and get the 16 gigabyte iPhone. You didn't wake up at midnight or at 2 a.m. to pre-order? I don't wake up at midnight <laughs> or 2 a.m. For, for iPhones. It has to be like a house on fire. I did that for the Apple Watch and I was so tired for like a week. And then, every, was, was it you? Oh yeah. And then Sarah ordered her Apple Watch a, like a week later in the middle of the afternoon leisurely and got hers first. That's right. I also chose a less popular model and I think that's why it's... Well, I'm still angry. <laughs> I'm still enjoying your your chagrin. <laughs> so let's talk about the big new feature, 3D Touch. Um, how does it work? Like, how's it working for you guys? What's your experience with it? I have mixed feelings about it thus far. Uh, I, overall, I think it's too early to tell. I think that it has the potential to be a really revolutionary feature because it changes the way you use your iPhone. And there's a few scenarios in which it's like really useful to me, but most of the time I, I find myself not using it. How about you, Donna? Well, just to give people a breakdown of how it works, before with your touch screen, you could really, it could sense where you were touching on the screen and how long you were touching, but now it can also tell how hard you're pressing the screen. Um, and so it's just another level of controls and apps that have created support for that will bring up extra options when you press your phone, press your screen harder and there are two different levels of hardness that you can press your screen. Um, so right now all of Apple's built-in apps have 3D touch. Um, so, so 
Yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead. So, for example, when you go to make a phone call, you can open up the phone app, or you can force—it's not force touch anymore. <laughs> I hated that, and now I can't get that word out of my head. You 3D touch it; it still sounds weird. Sorry. It's much better than saying you're force touching <laughs> things, though, David. Okay, so you 3D touch the phone app, and it brings you up a list of your recent calls and who you can call. Same thing with uh, your text messages; it does that on mail. If you 3D touch the mail app, it gives you options like compose a message or check VIP or things like that. I, by the way, I don't know if other people are using 3D touch as a verb, but around the office here, we've been like 3D touch this, 3D touch that. <laughs> it's, it, I'm I, into it. I, I don't know if just there's a collectively dirty mind at this office, but it just sounds kind of creepy 3D touching things. <laughs> um, I think it actually is just us. I hate to say it, but I think we just have a collectively perverted mind and we, we just giggle every time we say it. Yeah. So are you finding it like immediately easy to use 3D touch or is it taking you, is there like a learning curve? Uh, the pressure sensitivity is pretty intuitive to me. What is not intuitive is when and how I can use 3D Touch. So this is what I was worried about too when we were talking about this in our podcast before. With 3D Touch, the benefit of it is you don't, there's no button. You don't have to go push the menu button. You just press harder and it pops up. But because of that, there's no visual cue to tell me where I can push or uh, where 3D Touch works. So I find myself constantly, this is, this is where I think we started giggling. I, I said, I find myself constantly 3D touching all the apps and trying to figure it out. And it's, it's hard for me to kind of figure out when to use it and what shortcuts to use. And then I don't get used to using it at all. Yeah, for me, um, the, on the app screen, it's useful and pretty obvious. Like you just try 3D touching an app icon and either a menu of options will appear or it won't. But then when you get into apps, it's even trickier for me because um, the whole idea of peek and pop, that's Apple's words that they've coined for 3D touch. Did, so, they, did they trademark peek and pop? Is that uh, like... Yes, they, they did. I saw a little TM right by it when oh I was reading God. about this. So peek and pop is a little bit weird to me because, like, for instance, if you uh, 3D touch a link you'll get a little peek into the URL that you're going to go to. And then you, if you like slide your finger up, something will happen. Or if you that press harder, something up a will menu, happen. Or if you press harder, you can pop into the app. Yeah. So that I feel like there's a little bit of a learning curve and I haven't quite figured it out. <laughs> I will say for most, so far for Apple's built-in apps, some of them are really useful to me, but the majority of them I find not useful enough to bother. Uh, like on the phone app, it, it it somehow algorithmically fig, tries to figure out who I would want to call, and it's never right. Uh, on the same with the text message app, and a lot of them, I don't find I'm using them very much. That's interesting. Um, How, what about you, Donna? Are you are you using 3D Touch a lot? I mean, I think for things like the camera and for messaging and calls, it's pretty handy. Um, but there are some third party apps. I don't know if we're getting into that right now, but um, Twitter, for instance. It'll let you like create a new tweet or search through your feed, but those are things that are just as easy just to press the app icon and do that. So I find that's kind of a gimmick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the third-party apps, when you 3D touch them, their app icon, and most of them, their 3D touch functionality seems to be limited to just 3D touching their app icon, you, a menu comes up, and for most of them, it, there's just not many useful things on that menu. It's more yeah. just for the sake of being able to say they're 3D Touch enabled. Part of why I think it's too early to tell about 3D Touch is I think that it's still early days, and I think that when more third-party apps have 3D Touch, we'll all become more used to using it. Uh, one of the areas where I really want to use Peek and Pop is on Facebook. When I'm browsing and I see somebody post a link to an article, I want to just peek into it really quickly and see, is it link yeah. bait? Are they going to tell me? And I find myself like, now I'm used to 3D touching and I find myself trying to peek into a Facebook articles all the time. And it's really annoying me that they don't you're, have- You're just reminding me now of like, toddlers swiping on everything yeah. like why can't i 3d touch this exactly i don't know why they just don't update everything instantly for me so what are some 3d touch features that you are using and are really enjoying uh a few of them that i've been using and really enjoying 
one of the little shortcuts that I really like is on the keyboard, if you 3D touch it, it brings you up kind of a mousing option. Like a trackpad. A trackpad, thank you. So I can like, if I'm typing, before you kind of tap on where you want the cursor to go to edit things, but it was really imprecise. Whereas now if I 3D touch it, I can kind of use the trackpad and it's much more precise. So that I found really useful. For me, really, it's just the app icons I've used mostly so far. Um, I'm really going to have to... I actually just got my phone earlier today, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, but I do have some third-party apps I've tried out that I could tell you guys about. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Um, okay. I'm kind of excited about uh, being able to do 3D Touch on my camera app because so mm -hmm. often my kids or my dogs are doing something cute and I really want to capture that moment by the time even I just swipe up from the lock screen mm -hmm. you know there's it it's really like and then you select video it just takes so much time the moment's gone wait hold on so so how does it work with 3d touch sorry I haven't gotten used to if this you, yet if you 3d touch the camera icon you have the option to take a selfie or a video or a slow-mo if your phone's locked Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, never mind. See? Because that would have been cool. I got excited there for a second. I kind of realized what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Okay. Like, it won't work. Uh, it's too bad. It'd be nice if you could 3D touch from your lock screen on that camera icon. It would be nice. Have I'm you tried it? No, I'm going to try it right now. All right, you do that and let us know. You In guys the meantime, Donna, <laughs> tell me about some third-party apps that use 3D touch that you, are, that you really like. Well, Dropbox I use, um, we use for work. And... Now, with their shortcuts are pretty useful because you can access recently uploaded files that anyone in the company has just uploaded, or you um, access your offline files. So those are things that if you open up the Dropbox app, it would like take me a few, a little bit of navigating to find. So that's cool. Also, Hipstamatic, which I've used as a you know photo filter app before, they have the option to like you. 3D touch the app screen and you'll see the option to shoot food, shoot sunset or shoot a portrait. And they have like different settings for each of those things. So you can just jump to that. And I think that's kind of, it's kind of a creative way to use 3D touch. Do you take a lot of food photos, Donna? <laughs> um, I'm not the best photographer, but I do. I do usually take photos of my food, and then I usually don't share them with anybody. <laughs> That's why I was asking really if you ever noticed you the, taking pictures. This is like when we were, when, last podcast, Sarah shamed me for all the selfies I had. Which, for the record, after the podcast, we compared how many total photos we had, and I was only taking selfies... 5% of the time. I'm going on record. I have two I have like 250 selfies, but I had over 3000 photos. So, only I'm 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 a 5% selfie ratio, which I think is is pretty respectable. Yeah, I would say I'm maybe like an eighth of my photos are selfies, but in my defense, only like 3 of those selfies, excuse me, are actually me. The rest <laughs> of them are like my kids. I'm not sure if that counts. Oh, for the record, you cannot 3D touch the camera icon. So we should from, from the lock screen. From the lock screen. So that, we should send Apple a request. Yeah, that would be so handy. Yeah. Although it is still nice if you do need to do an emergency selfie and you're in your phone, you can 3D touch <laughs> the camera icon. I'll be using that all the time, yeah, I'm sure. Those emergency selfies. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've taken exactly zero of those. So do you guys have yet do you have a favorite tip that you want to share? Do you have any 3D touch tips yet? Oh man, I think I just gave mine away already with my uh cursor. Uh, the other thing, this isn't a tip, but it answers your question from earlier. The other thing I find myself using 3D Touch on a lot is when people send me, text me links and being able to pop into the article to read it quickly and browse it and then close it without, I guess, peek into the article without popping into the article I've been doing. Uh, I don't know that I have any 3D Touch tips yet. I do. Oh, good. Yay, share one, Donna. <laughs> So I noticed right away that it was kind of hard to 3D touch. Like, I don't know if I just have weak hands, but <laughs> I was like, I feel like I'm pressing pretty hard and nothing's happening. So um, there's a setting you can go to and make it more or less sensitive. So for people who, you know, tend to press really hard, you can, uh, I forget the it's exact It's general setting. accessibility, 3D touch, and then you it lets you, in the accessibility 3D touch settings, it lets you adjust the um, sensitivity and even sort of try it out to make sure it works for you. 
Yes. That's cool. I find what's weird is I find most of the time the sensitivity is about right. Uh, but when I'm trying to swipe between apps, if you if you 3D touch on the left corner or the left side of the screen, you can 3D touch between apps. And right. that I find I have to push harder. I think it's because there's less sensors on the side of the screen or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, that one's a tricky one. I was telling Donna about that, about that tip. And the interesting thing is also... It, you have to learn when to stop swiping because you press and then you can swipe all the way and that just takes you to the next app. But if you swipe like halfway, it opens the multitasker. Oh, I learned what it is though, actually. You can pop into the multitasker. So if you like peek, you swipe over to the next app. But if you if you push harder, it pops into the multitask. I'm finding this like peak and pop terminology really annoying. I just want to go on record. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not yeah. perverted. I just feel like I'm like a toddler talking about Rice Krispie treats or something. <laughs> right. So um, anything else you guys have really that stands out for you guys about 3D touch? I don't think so. I think for I'm really looking forward to seeing how it evolves. I think it could be a huge deal. I think it also could be something that I don't use very much, and it kind of depends on whether third-party apps adopt it. I think it's just going to be the new norm. Um, I think pretty soon most third-party apps will have it. I don't know that it'll be like necessary, necessarily revolutionary, but it's definitely just like a new level of control of your phone, which is, oh, one thing that it could do, which I think would be nice, is if it eventually replaced the home button. Um, if you press yeah. harder, it could just take you back to the home screen in certain situations. And I mean, it is kind of fun to imagine the phone being like all screen and not having that home button at the bottom. Because so. then the screen could be so much bigger without having to have it be so big. I would like that. That would be cool. So another big improvement is in the camera, which now has 12 megapixels and 4K video and all those other things. Have you guys noticed any difference in image quality compared to photos from your iPhone 6? The iPhone 6. I have to say, I've I haven't done like side by side comparisons, and I'm sure if I did, I'd be like, ooh, it's better. But just like anecdotally using the phone, taking photos, I haven't been like, oh wow, that photo's so much crisper than it used to be. I, I don't know if I've noticed it. Have you? No, I haven't really. I was actually looking at some. Uh, articles where people had done some side-by-side -side mm -hmm. comparisons and there really is no difference. It's so funny because that's exactly what Apple tried to tell us before they upgraded it, right? They're all like, oh, megapixel count doesn't matter. It's all about the size of the pixels or the quality of the camera. And then now it's that's still true, but Apple's on the wrong side of that. I have to say they also compared it to Samsung, the, the Galaxy 6. Uh-huh. And that one was better really? than all the other ones. Samsung's doing something right with their cameras for sure. I will say sometimes it's a little misleading because Apple tends to have a little bit truer colors. So That was the one area that really stood out to me as, as being you know, better about the iPhone 6S pictures. Okay, yeah. yeah, because Samsung, what they do is they tweak the settings to make them look like the contrast and they make them look brighter and sharper. And like if you're doing a photo comparison that looks really exciting, but you don't get the true colors. And Apple tends to stick to truer colors, which gives photographers more options, but doesn't necessarily look stunning in like a, just side by side. I've noticed that with some of my friends who have Samsung phones, when we're taking photos together, like the pictures of people, it's like a little more flattering. Like there's more, the landscapes look more vibrant, but they also look a little artificial or something. And it's like so, it's like pre-filtered for you. Yeah, and I don't know if ultimately that's what I would choose. Um, but I was, yeah, I do also, I don't know if it's, I'm just having a bad hair day, but I was just taking some <laughs> selfies and I feel like, they were a little less flattering and that, that might be the higher resolutions. I don't know if I like the higher resolution. <laughs> or maybe it's the retina flash with the new five megapixel uh, FaceTime camera. Uh, it could be that. Yeah. It's like earlier when I was taking my emergency selfies. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I, I really expected to see the bigger contrast on the selfies because it went from one megapixel to five. I don't know that I've noticed it. I don't know. And have you have you tried the Retina display flash? I have, and I have to. I was excited about it ahead of time, 
because sometimes you have to take low light selfies, as we all know. <laughs> as Some David of, and I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as Sarah, me, Donna, and Sarah's children all know. <laughs> uh, and I hate it. Because what happens is it, it shines this really bright light in your eyes and then takes a photo. So every photo using the flash is me just really squinting <laughs> or like blinking or looking blinded. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bright. I don't know. I, I have a tendency to blink during photos anyway. It's funny. I was looking online at some of the uh, pictures with this new flash and this person was wearing glasses and there's just this reflection of this bright screen. It's just, <laughs> it didn't, I mean, I guess that would be the same with any flash, right? I also, honestly, and this is a thing, it's both a good and bad thing because the, uh, the selfie camera, I don't know what to act, what it actually called, but the selfie camera. It's FaceTime camera. FaceTime camera, thank you. Tends to take pretty decent low light. So even without it, I, I was getting pretty good photos. Whereas the lighting with the flash, it looked artificial. And I think it's because you tend to hold your camera pretty close to your face. So like there, the part that was like, usually there was parts of my face was really blown out. It was very like, uh, very light colored in parts. And it looked, it didn't look natural. It looked like somebody put a huge flash right next to my face. Whereas the low light selfies looked fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was going to agree with you on that. Like, it didn't necessarily make me squint, but I felt like I doing a side-by-side -side comparison, it, I mean, so far, I feel like the photos were better without the flash. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And what about the live photos? Have you guys played with that one? Mm -hmm. Only a little bit. Uh, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I, I, always, I thought it was a silly feature ahead of time and nothing has changed my mind about it. Like, it's kind of fun to do. I think it would be cool. What I want to do is take a really cool, like, nature photo and then make it my screen, my lock screen. But I haven't been, it, it hasn't impressed me or been disappointing. I didn't really care. Yeah, so just if, for those of you who don't know, live photos, um, when you're taking a picture, there's a little button at the top now, a yellow button that you can turn on or off. And when you turn it on, it'll take a six second, isn't no, it? No, it's one and a half seconds on either side of the still photo. Okay, so yeah, so it's three seconds total, and it has the audio too. So when you when you for, um, 3D touch it <laughs> in the Photos app afterwards, it'll play for three seconds, including your voice. And if you set it as your lock screen, it won't play the audio. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's it's like a fun little extra. It's one of those things you're excited to try when you first get the phone and then are probably never going to use. <laughs> yeah, although I, I have to say, even though it's not that exciting to me, I'm planning on leaving it on because I think there'll be little moments that it captures that'll be really fun. Like if you're out with your friends at an event or something and you take a photo, it will be fun to look back and see like just random little things that happen. So many times when you get a bunch of, especially group photos, you get a bunch of people together in a group, you take a group photo, somebody says something silly, everybody laughs, and, and it's cool that you can capture that moment while still taking a photo. That's great. Well, also, I'm, I, I imagine some people are concerned because they take twice as much space. And mm -hmm. it, like you have 3,000 photos, that's a significant amount of extra space. But you can actually delete the live photo part of it in when you're editing the photo. Ah, I That's did not tip. know that. So iPhoneLife.com slash daily tips, and we're going to tell you how to do that. <laughs> in a while. We haven't written that tip yet, but we will. Um, another thing you can do is if you really like it, you can actually transfer the file to your Mac and um, just select the um, dot .move part of the file, because apparently it's a bundled dot .move file and a bundled JPEG file, and then turn that into a GIF. Well, also, I'm mildly concerned about it, but I, I think that, and I, lo I was looking at my data the other, or my storage the other day, and like the majority of my storage is photos, so it's, it's something to consider. But with uh, the iCloud drive now, I feel like you can do it and not store it on your device too, right? Um, you know, I like feel so baffled by the iCloud photo library thing that I'm going to pass this one on to Donna. Like... Well, wait, with the iCloud Drive app? Uh, no, I just, iPhone Photo, is it called? It's not called Photo Stream anymore. Just the new oh. Photos app. Oh, yeah, iCloud Photo Library. Um, what I have my settings on is to optimize the storage on my phone. So I only have small, low-resolution photos on my phone, and then the high-resolution ones are in iCloud. 
And now that they upped the 99 cent option um, per month to 50 gigabytes instead of 20 gigabytes, that kind of helps make up for the fact that now, yeah. now my live photos <laughs> are going to be taking up so much space. But you can and delete live. You can delete live photos locally, right, and still store them no. in the cloud. Oh, See, that's so the problem. Oh. This is this is the whole downfall of iCloud Photo Library. Is anything that you delete on your phone is deleted from iCloud Photo Library. So you can't like separately have things on your Mac computer and not have them on your phone. And I think that's well, really annoying. You know what the solution really is? Is if you have iCloud on your computer, which if you have a Mac, you do, and I, I actually downloaded the application onto my PC, you can create and save locally all of your iCloud photos in a separate folder, which means they will be on your computer. So if you delete them, they will disappear from iCloud photo library, and so you won't be able to access them from all your devices, And but they'll still be in like on your computer. You'll still have them. You, can, you don't have to lose them. So eventually I'm going to do that. Like right now I don't have so many photos that I need to, but it's still kind of a not the most elegant solution because then you still have to have some folder or an external hard drive that have your photos on it instead of having it all, like you kind of want that photos app that's for Mac now that Apple came out with last or earlier this year. You want to have like your entire library in there, but you can't in this case. Yeah, because you don't want to. What what happens to me is I'm really terrible about terrible about remembering to regularly go and do that and transfer the photos. And then if I don't do that, I either lose the photos or I store too many. And it's like having it. The difference between having happen automatically and having to be something I have to actually do is huge because. I'm really lazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, there's a lot of things that I'm still annoyed about with iCloud Photo Library, but I still feel like it's the most convenient solution for me because I have all Apple devices, like just getting my new phone. Because I had the new beta, the iOS 9 beta on my phone, I couldn't, I couldn't use the most recent backup to put on my new device because I didn't have the beta on my new phone. Oh, disaster. So I didn't, like, my last backup was in July before I updated, but now iCloud Photo Library is separate from your iCloud backup. Uh, so I got, like, all of my photos were here. Like, I don't have my most recent text messages, and I don't really care about that, but I feel like it is a better solution, but it still, like, sucks. I think it's marginally yeah. better than Dropbox. Dropbox does have the ability to just automatically sync your photos to the cloud, which is really good, but... Yeah, it's nice. Apple's just, it so effortlessly syncs with all your Apple devices. It's really nice. Yeah. So another camera thing I want to talk about is 4K video. What do you guys think about that? Have you tried taking any 4K video? I could care less about 4K video. Actually, that's you not mean true. you couldn't care less? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be an editor. Now you guys see what I have to deal with every day living with editors. <laughs> I can't even open my mouth without them telling me I'm saying something wrong. Um... <laughs> Welcome, I don't David. care about 4K. This is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think 4K is the future. It's just not the present. I think that I don't have a 4K monitor on my computer. Yeah. I don't have a 4K TV. And so all I'm doing is taking up extra storage on my phone <laughs> for absolutely no reason right now. That doesn't sound awesome to you, David? <laughs> Currently, you can't even like airplay 4K video to your Apple TV. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty... I. It's great that they're doing it because they're pushing. Sometimes Apple does this, so I'm not complaining about it because Apple, what they're doing is they're pushing the standard forward. It's like when they got rid of Ethernet ports on laptops and everyone freaked out because nobody was used to using Wi-Fi. A year later, everybody had just given up and switched to Wi-Fi and we're all happier. So Well, and it's I've heard that the newest Apple TV, which isn't out yet, will have at least as far as hardware goes, will have the capability to stream 4K video. To just, everybody's non-4K TVs. Yeah. But whether the software will allow that and whether we have the TVs, which most people don't, is another question. Well, one thing I think is kind of cool is that more people are doing professional video with their iPhones. Like there's a Modern Family earlier this year that was all shot on Apple devices. So I think that like having a better video camera would be exciting news for people who are doing that. How many people are doing that? I, I mean, I feel like there's, you hear about more and more projects and there are, you know, annual awards for people doing things like that. But yeah, it's not. You know, I'm giving you a hard time, but actually I love that this capability is being put in everyone's hands. Like anyone can now 
make that kind of video, there's no obstacles. There's no like sort of entry fee you have to pay in terms of equipment and knowing people and you can just make it and edit it. I think the mm -hmm. thing though that I want to differentiate between is a high quality camera and 4K. 4K is a very specific technology that allows you to record things in extra high resolution. I don't, I'm not totally sure though that that makes a better video unless you're watching it on 4K. But I could be wrong actually. No, I think you're right, but it's still, you can shoot very decent videos. Oh, absolutely. And edit them really well. And that's great. And it's creating a whole new generation of artists who are able to do things more mobily and cheaper. And it's great. Yeah. And if that's the direction the industry is going, then I would imagine it still would help you be able to shoot professional video with your phone. But for right now, I guess it's still not really that relevant it for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and some people have 4K TVs, you know. Yeah. So it's great for them. We're happy for them. <laughs> you don't sound very happy for them, David. I'm thrilled. <laughs> so what about speed? Have you noticed, because I remember David, you and I were saying basically, will it even be noticeable? At what mm -hmm. point does it stop being noticeable? Is your iPhone noticeably faster with the A9 chip? It's hard for me to say because iOS 9 is still slightly buggy to me. Like there's times when it's just a little bit frozen, a little bit laggy, and I it, this happens a lot. So I don't like I'm not I'm not worried about it because iOS nine they just came out with nine point oh two today, right? Yesterday. Yesterday. So like within a week or two, these will probably be fixed. Uh, I think it's faster. I haven't been like oh my god, everything opens up so much faster. But I I don't know. It's hard to say. I have like before this podcast, I was testing out how fast apps launched on my 6 and 6S because I still have my 6. And side by side, it was definitely noticeable. Like I'd say it's maybe not quite a second, but somewhere in that range. Um, and it was with all the apps I tried. So that was nice to see. Um, mm. And then I don't know if it's the processor or that um, Touch ID has its own processor now, but Touch ID is so much faster on yeah. the 6S. Uh, that's and that I, be I was going to say factors. that too. I think... That's the area that I've, I mean, it's like, that's the biggest surprise for me in terms of using it. I, I rolled my eyes when they said Touch ID got faster in the announcement. I thought, oh, who cares? It's so much better. I, I can't even describe to you, like, just the feeling of, of doing Touch ID and having your phone open instantly as opposed to waiting e even a second. It's like, it's really much better. <laughs> Yeah, I on my iPhone 6, I ended up just entering a four-digit passcode every time because that was easier to me than dealing with Touch ID. Really? Even though I had Touch ID set up, but most of the time I would do that just because it would like, it just, there would always be little glitches or it would get it wrong and it was, anno it was annoying. And if it's not working perfectly, I don't want to use it. And now it is. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't get error messages anymore and it opens really quickly. It opens so quickly that I actually used to be in the habit to like, if I wanted to see what was on my lock screen, I tap the home button to look. And with the iPhone 6, you tap the home button and look and it wasn't enough to do uh, touch ID. Now I keep doing that and it opens my phone and I can't see my lock screen because <laughs> that's how quickly it works. I have to say that I have had a lot of really good luck with Touch ID, apparently, <laughs> with my iPhone. But I also took the time. I set it up multiple times until I got it just right. And mm. and so I don't have any problems. It yeah, opens really quickly. One cool, it's gotten better in general. One tip you can do is if you go into settings in your Touch ID app and you just keep pressing your thumb against the Touch ID, it will keep registering thumbprints for you. And you can do slightly different angles, slightly different angles. And that does help with that for sure. But I found there's less of a need for that than there used to be. You know, there's also, I mean, everyone's making a big deal about the A9 chip, but there's also a new motion co-processor, the M9. And I guess that's what's making Hey Siri possible without your phone being plugged into a power source. Have you guys been using that? Do you care about Hey Siri? Hey Siri, I was like having an argument with my husband the other night and Hey Siri like just kicked in randomly when no one said it. <laughs> so that's been my only experience. But it both made us pause and we're like, what? And we like forgot what we were fighting about. So I guess it's good. Hey Siri, <laughs> making everybody's life better. <laughs> you know, that's another Siri one. Siri is your marriage therapist. <laughs> that's another one that I thought I wasn't going to care about and I actually really enjoy. I never realized how much getting my phone 
holding it and holding down the home screen was preventing me from using the Siri. But so many times now it's like, if I'm just like lying in bed and my phone's on my nightstand, or if I'm like getting ready for work in the morning, I'll like text somebody while I'm getting dressed. And there's so many scenarios in which, hey Siri is actually really useful where I wouldn't have used Siri before. Do you think that is, do you think that might also be related to the fact that Siri is supposed to be better in iOS 9? I mean, it, are you finding, and this is less about the iPhone, but are you finding Siri in general to be more useful? Like, Definitely. It's a, fact, it's a combination of the fact that Siri is more accessible, and when I ask Siri things, she doesn't get it wrong. And I don't have, like, it's so annoying when you're doing it and you have to try it three times. It's like you give up yeah. really quickly. And I, I'm having that experience less. It's definitely not like it's perfect, but it's, it's better. Yeah, one interesting thing when you set up your iPhone 6S, um, you're asked to say a few things to Siri, like you repeat, hey Siri, a few times, and some other things. So it's kind of right off the bat, Siri's learning your voice, which is nice. Yeah, well, it's something Noah, our COO, was complaining about. He's like, this is not very foresightful, because when everybody gets a success or higher, and we're all saying, hey Siri, all the time, you know, you're going to be in a room full of people whose phones start lighting up. <laughs> uh, but really, Siri does know your voice, which is cool. It doesn't, it, it wouldn't respond to other people's voices. So it's a pretty cool technology. Yeah, well, and I guess it's been that way for a while where Siri does get to know you and the way you say things over time. But like set, having that be part of the phone setup, it helps you understand that too. That you're like, oh, Siri needs to get to know my voice and my pronunciation. Yeah, it felt very futuristic. It, it was like really cool to have Siri like learning my voice. Yeah, it's kind of the voice version of the Touch ID setup. Yeah. So not a lot has changed with the phone physically in terms of design. There's the stronger aluminum alloy, the 7000 series aluminum, and there's the stronger glass. I mean, do you guys care about that? I care that it's more waterproof. <laughs> oh, is yeah. that okay? Yeah, it's actually um, iFixit, which of course Apple is very unhappy with because they did a pre-release teardown of the Apple TV and posted it online. Um, so they've had their developer license revoked, right? Yeah, their app is gone. Their wow. persona non grata. Yeah. Um, but they also did a teardown of the iPhone 6S, and apparently there's um, some silicon seals and other little things that are protecting your iPhone. I would not get your phone wet intentionally, but if it happens, and it often does, you are less likely to have to say goodbye to that phone. It will, <laughs> it's more likely to survive. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something... I don't, it's not like you hold your phone and you're like, oh, this is so much more stable. But it's a little more peace of mind. And I drop my phone, I mean, I drop it so much, it's really embarrassing. So have And it, you don't I, use a case. And I don't use a case. So have, having it be stronger definitely gives me a little more peace of mind. Yeah, definitely for me too. Uh, I, in the past couple of months, have dropped my phone in the toilet and dropped it and shattered its screen. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> The more sturdy it can be, the better. <laughs> um, so the most obvious change, obviously, is the rose gold color. Clearly the most important change. That is so pink. It's not rose gold, it's pink. I just want to go on record like, right now. <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen it other than in the photos. Have you seen it live and in person? I haven't seen it in person. I got one of our bloggers, uh, Becca Ludlam, who got the phone to send me pictures because I kind of hate pink, but I also kind of love it. And I'm so I'm on the fence about whether I should get the rose gold. Now mm -hmm. that I've made fun of you for thinking about getting it, I'm <laughs> considering getting it. But You didn't make fun of me. You told me I could pull it off. Yeah, but inside I was laughing at you. <laughs> um, Go ahead. You could totally pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't, she didn't hear the condescension in her voice. <laughs> but actually... It's because guys... there's always condescension in her voice, and I don't know what it's regarding to most of the time. Oh, I guess. But uh, apparently the rose gold iPhone is actually very popular with men. And uh, like in one article, I heard it, I saw it referred to as bros gold <laughs> i love that like bro apostrophe s i thought that was pretty awesome but unfortunately i read another article forbes what they were saying it's a basically somewhere between hello kitty and cotton candy which i think might be too pink for me i was totally going to get the rose gold except for that i had to wait for it because it's you know so many people were ordering it uh, I had no, I like pink, but. 
I think it's a nice balance because I thought the 5C went a little bit overboard with the colorful plastics. That was super hot pink. Yeah, yeah and just the colorful plastics was like, I really liked the metal. It was classier. But I feel like, at least from the pictures I've seen online, the rose gold is still classy, and there's nothing wrong with a classy pink phone. <laughs> so you think I could pull it off? Go ahead, Sarah. You could totally pull it off. <laughs> you know, I think I may actually, unless it's a super long wait. I mean, I'm already going to have to wait, though, because my carrier is out of the 64 gigabyte sizes. Like so. one, the main reason I wanted to get it was just because because this phone has the same form factor. It's like you want something different. Yeah. And even though this does have a lot of cool features, I do think the S updates aren't as exciting because of that. I'm totally, you know. I, I switched I switched from the gold iPhone, which was not the rose gold because it was a six, to the silver for that exact reason. I was like, I just want to feel like it's a new phone. I don't want to feel like it's the exact same phone I used to have. Yeah, that's true. I tend to change colors with every iPhone I get. Um, so what's your overall impression of the iPhone 6? Are you guys happy? Is it worth the upgrade? You know, it's funny because I, I know I've sounded a bit cynical in this podcast, and I guess it's it's the journalist in me just being cynical of everything. I actually really love my 6S. I am really happy with it. I think that 3D Touch shows a lot of potential. I think I'll get more used to it, and, and I'll, I'll use it more. And when third-party apps come out, it'll be really useful. Um, and... I think overall it's a solid upgrade. I think everything's stable. It works well. The faster processor. Uh, the ni- I think I think over time these things that don't seem like a big deal right away and are easy to hate on are gonna are worth it. They add up, saving a little bit of time on Touch ID and having your faster processor, having your apps open faster. I, I'm really happy with it. To me, I feel like it definitely improves the overall experience, but there's no one thing that really stood out to me that's, like, it, it didn't necessarily wow me, but my overall experience is going to be better because of it, and I know that. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no one feature that's like, oh, that's so cool, but there's like, ev- everything about it is better. Um, I do think I will go on record, despite what I was saying about Touch ID not qu- or about 3D Touch not quite being there. I think 3D Touch has a lot of potential, and I think that it is will be one of the remembered as one of the more revolutionary features over time. Just like Siri, when it was came out, come out, everybody was kind of oh, will it be useful or not? But over time, it was one of the more enduring features. I don't remember anything else from that phone that was announced really. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like um, iOS nine combined with 3D Touch, I feel like there's those two things together make me excited mm-hmm. about the different things I can do with my phone now. Like, it is significantly changing things. Um, it almost seems like you can't even fully utilize the iOS 9 features without 3D Touch. Yeah, well, it, when I upgraded my iPhone 6 to iOS 9, I was like, why did they change multitasking to swipe from, let's, let me think, left to right instead of right to left? It was a weird change until I got my 6S, and then I realized it's because it's the same, when you use force touch, it's the same gesture that you use across your phone to like go back to different right. things. So yeah, iOS 9, when I switched to my 6S, there were so many features that I realized were designed for the 6S that didn't make sense on the iPhone 6, and are really great, and that's what Apple does, is they combine software and hardware so well. You know, listening to you guys, it just makes me feel like Apple can't win. I mean, I know you're saying great things about the iPhone 6S, but it's, they either get, if they do like regular incremental improvements, then everyone's like, that's not exciting enough. And then if they wait and then do a big improvement, everyone's like, why are they playing catch up? Samsung already had this, but it sounds like they have a good balance with this phone. I think, I think the most dangerous thing about tech journalism and about the way people think about these things is they do exactly what we do, what we just did. And they go through a long list of features and say, is that a big deal? How much do you care? How much better? Is this a big deal? And after that, when you're actually using your phone, it's more, it's the subtler things that actually make a difference. No tech journalist is going to write a, like a, a long article about Touch ID being faster, but it makes a difference in your life. And I think the features that we critique are different than the features that actually matter. And I think Apple did a good job on this one about doing the features that mattered as opposed to the features that were going to be like hot marketing items. Although they did some of those like live pictures I don't really care about. But 
So David, do you want to tell us now, take a little break and tell us about the Insider program? Take a break? I was just talking. <laughs> yes, I would like to tell you about the Insider. So I've been telling you guys about daily tips, but I want to take a minute to tell you about our premium version of daily tips. So instead of it being an email just with text, we're going to send you an email with videos every day. So a daily video email, you get in-depth video guides, you get a digital subscription to the magazine, you get access to archive of all our back issues, and you get to ask Sarah Kingsbury any iPhone-related question. <laughs> yep. Tell them more, like, what are some examples of some recent uh, in-depth guides? Because I think those are really cool. Yeah, totally. Well, we just came out with an in-depth guide that I'm really excited about, which is how to seamlessly upgrade phones. So we tell you about which carriers to pick, we tell you about insurance, how to back up ahead of time. And it's it, it's a great guide because, I mean, even with this guide, I had a difficult time with my carrier upgrading phones. But everybody has these little snags upgrading phones, and this really helps smooth that out. Uh, coming up soon is going to be our iOS 9 guide. So it's going to tell you all of these cool new 6S features and all of the iOS 9 features for the non-6S users iPad, iOS 9, so a lot of awesome in-depth video guides. We also have an in-depth video guide on iCloud Photo. I never remember what it's called. We have one on iCloud Photo Library, and so that helps you with just your photo backup, your photo storage solution. And then iCloud Backup, we have a different guide for that, that just all the ins and outs of of storing storage with your iPad with iCloud. Storing storage. Check it out. <laughs> it's been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> so if you wanted to subscribe, where would you go? Thank you. iPhoneLife.com slash insider to subscribe. Awesome. So what are you guys using for cases for your new phones? So I, you, you mentioned earlier, I don't use a case. I think it's been about two years since I've used a case. Uh, and what I do is I use a glass screen protector. I think my, my go-to glass screen, the glass screen protector is uh, bodyguards because I like the bodyguards crown. Uh, so that's what I've been using. Uh, the, Tell us about the crown. Okay, I will. Uh, so bodyguards is a tempered glass screen protector, which I like a lot better. And people kind of got away from screen protectors because the old plastic kind just it never felt quite right. It always got smudged. Yeah. Uh, but the glass ones, they feel exactly like your phone. It, it has a really nice, smooth feel to it. Uh, but you can obviously drop your phone, and it, hopefully nothing breaks. But if something breaks, it's usually your screen protector. That has actually happened to me. My screen was fine. My screen protector was totally broken. Yeah. Uh, and the crown, this is the new thing. So glass screen protectors don't have tapered edges like the iPhone 6 does. Uh, and so the crown goes around the edge and protects the bezel of the phone. So that's what I've been doing. And whenever I tell somebody I do that, they say, oh, my phone, I dropped my phone too much. I couldn't possibly do that. I, I literally don't think anybody could drop their phone more than I drop my phone. So I'm, I, it gets the David seal of approval. <laughs> well, I mean, I would also think of it this way. A screen protector is what, like 30 bucks mm -hmm. at most? And then it's at least $100 to fix the screen of your iPhone. So get a glass screen protector. Even if you get a case, get a glass screen protector. But yeah, yeah. I, the, well, because the back of the phone's metal now. And it used to be glass, and that's why everybody got used to using cases on the back. But it doesn't, it doesn't break, it's metal. It gets scratched and dinged up though, yeah, I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I, I live with that because it's nice. I was gonna ask, do you have a bunch of scratches on the back of your phone usually then? Not as much as you would think. The glass is pretty good, but I do have a little bit. But also one of the factors too, and I think it's a bigger deal for a guy, I carry my phone in my front pocket. So having no, no extra bulk makes it a lot easier to kind of have it fit in your pocket all day. That's actually important for women, too, because pockets on women's pants are, like, non-existent. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, right now I have a horrible solution, but it's really pretty. Um, I Purporta sent me their Ted Baker case, which is they have, like, a fashion, different fashion brands that they carry. And it's really nice, but it doesn't have a ridge that goes up above the screen, which I was going to say, I feel like if you're going to get cases like this, um, that are compatible with the iPhone 6 and 6s. You should just be aware that the, since the iPhone 6 is a little bit thicker, 
it'll stick out even further. So that little, like, sometimes people rely on that little ridge around the side that if you drop it on its face, it'll still be okay. Well, then you should definitely get the crown along with the bodyguard's Ooh, pure good, cover. Good yeah, that's my plan. Two, two things, too, to touch on. Number one, because I got a lot of questions about this, the glass screen protectors do work with 3D touch. I was worried about it, but they work fine. I haven't had any problem. Number two, do iPhone 6 cases work with uh, iPhone 6S phones? I think yes, if it's an open one, because all of the buttons and ports are in the same place, it's just a little bit thicker, but ones that... Um, like minusculely thicker, so... Yeah, like some waterproof cases that it's like, like a full front and back case, you, do, you need to make sure it's compatible with the 6S because it is a little bit thicker, so it won't fit perfectly. So like probably the ones like OtterBox and LifeProof, you should get a 6S case instead of a 6, I would think. But for like yeah. most cases, like snap-on cases, you're probably fine. Is that correct? Well, most companies now will say for iPhone 6 slash 6S to let you know that it's compatible with both, but some right now don't have anything that says explicitly 6S. Um, I mean, I feel like to be safe, you should just make sure, but um, it's pretty much, yeah, I think what you're saying is right. If it's a, um, if it's not a water a waterproof case that goes over the front, you can pretty much assume it'll work for the 6. S. <laughs> okay, so just to sum up, basically make sure your case has the lip around the edge to protect your phone or get the bodyguard crown or some other thing. I think they're the only ones making that right now but something that covers the whole front of your phone, including the rounded edges. I got some recommendations from our senior gear editor, Shiva, um, that I could share as well. Yeah, because yeah, a, a lot of people don't aren't comfortable living dangerously like <laughs> me and I keep asking me, and I, I only have a couple recommendations that I give, so I'm curious to hear what Shiva says. Yeah, David and I definitely, we're not, we're like risking it a little bit, whereas <laughs> Shiva, he's really into rugged protective cases. So, I mean, Shiva always recommends OtterBox cases, and the OtterBox Defender is one of their lines that's, it's kind of like one of their mid-level. It's usually between 40 and 50. It's 50 for the iPhone 6 or 6S. Um, and that, it's not completely waterproof, but, um, but you can drop it and basically do anything else with it and get it a little bit wet, and it'll be fine. Um, Catalyst is another one he was saying that they have fully waterproof cases that are very slim. Um, and that's $70, which for a waterproof case isn't actually horrible. Mm -hmm. I noticed Catalyst also has a waterproof case for the Apple Watch. And it looks like it makes it a little <laughs> more bulky. Like, I wouldn't wear it. Okay, but... the Apple Watch is pretty water resistant. I've gone swimming with it. I've taken it underwater. It's been fine. But they fine. don't recommend that you do that. So Well, I guess we, we're established that I, I live life on the edge. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like the Life Proof Free. Is it Frey or Free? It's free, right? I've been saying Frey, but uh -oh. okay. so have I. Okay, well, we'll get back to you on that one. Either way, it's, it's a great case. It's... It's the slimmest waterproof case that I've seen. It actually, the glass screen on the front is in fact the glass screen. Um, so it's a little bit, you do have to be a little bit more careful of it, but it covers the bezel pretty thoroughly. So it would have to be a, a really weird angle to break the screen. But to have it be waterproof and still have it be very slim is really nice. Uh, and if you want it a little bit less, a little more protective. There's a different life-proof one that's also nice. I don't remember what it's called, but they only have two, so you can look. Nude, I think. Oh, that's right. shoot. So free is the more protective. Nude is obviously the less protective, but they're both waterproof. Nude is interesting because it's waterproof, even though it doesn't have a screen protector on it. Yeah, it's that's like what I was starting to say. Yeah, edges, which so. is really cool to me, but I, cool. I probably would go with the free, actually, because yeah. it's if you're going all out protective, let's go protective and cover your screen. Yeah. Incipio is another brand Shiva said. That's good if you want something a little cheaper. They have a lot of good cases that are in the $30 range, and they, um, they are not waterproof. They're not like super protective, but they do, a lot of them have a ridge around the side so that, you know, if you're lucky and you drop it on its face, it'll probably not break. They also have some good battery cases that are around $70. Uh, battery cases you're gonna just pay a little more for, but they have a nice sleek profile. It probably like doubles the width of your phone, but it's still like they, they managed to pull it off and make it look pretty nice. How about you, Sarah? What do you ha have on your phone? I'm using an OtterBox case right now, but I'm not sure. I can't remember the name. It's 
It, oh yeah, I, it I brought it back for you. I, I actually don't remember the name either. You'll have to go check it out. The, it's a unique OtterBox case because it's a little bit slimmer than most OtterBox cases and it covers the front of the phone, correct? Yeah, I'm, I don't actually, I, I have mixed feelings about those ones that cover the phone because I like to keep my, after my breaking my uh, screen protector, <laughs> I like to keep the front of my phone covered and it's got a really nice strong magnet and a really nice raised lip that protects this, uh, the edges. Um, and it's not too bulky because I really hate bulky cases and I usually actually use just snap cases, but then I feel anxious <laughs> that I'm going to break my case. I mean, not my case, my phone. So, so that's a kind of a nice compromise for me. My opinion for the most part is if you, I think you should either go glass screen protector like I do. If you really want something rugged so you can be outdoors, go with something like LifeProof or was it Cedia? What was the one they were saying? The Chivo Catalyst. Saying? Catalyst. Other than that, like if you just want kind of a basic iPhone case, I think there's no problem with just going on Amazon or going on someplace. Uh, the, as far as I can tell, most of the mid-level iPhone cases seem to offer about the same level of protection. And so it really just depends what you look like, what you like and what looks good to you. Yeah, I think Amazon, that's a really good point because a lot of the cases that we review in the magazine, we always list the retail price because if you find a special price on Amazon, that might change and we don't want to promise that. But, but Amazon has a lot of the really good brands and usually you can get the case for like half price yeah half the retail price yeah. so definitely. definitely shop around yeah do not however i talked to somebody who did this buy uh life proof or other waterproof cases on ebay for very cheap because <laughs> they might not be real and then you're bringing it underwater and ruining your phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right um so there's one more thing i want to talk about which is the Apple Music free trials, the first ones that started, because that's three months from whenever mm -hmm. you sign up. The first ones ended yesterday. So people are being billed today if they didn't turn off auto-renew, David. I got billed today. I read the tip on how to turn off auto-renew. I read it. I wrote an article about how much I disliked Apple Music and then forgot to opt out and just had to pay $10. <laughs> so online, we do have that tip I can't remember the URL, and it's fairly complicated to explain. Um, I'll post the link when I put up the podcast. There you go. So everyone can, if you haven't turned on auto-renew and you've been billed this month, you can turn it off and avoid being billed in the future. So, David, you're not subscribing. Um, I'm why? not. Well, I wrote an article about this and was it the last issue or two issues ago? Uh, that's too hard of a question, David. <laughs> <laughs> you're only the editor-in-chief. Uh, my opinion on Apple Music is that it just isn't as powerful. It doesn't have the features that Spotify has. I think Spotify has a lot more features to help people discover music. I, I really like the playlist feature. You can create playlists. You can share them with your friends. Uh, and I also like the social dynamic where you can see what your friends are listening to. You can share playlists with your friends. Uh, you can, there's just a lot more discoverability that I like about Spotify. Um, I'm really obsessed with Spotify Discover Weekly and they use this algorithm to like listen, to tell what I'm listening to and then give me new songs based on that. So I'm just really into Spotify and I think Apple Music looks nice. And if you wanted something that integrates with iTunes, that's nice. Integrating with Siri is cool, but overall I think they just, they were playing catch up and they didn't quite get there with Siri. Yeah, when I first edited David's article, I was kind of like disagreeing with him because I was like, Beats One is awesome. I just want one place to go to, you know, see what all the DJs are saying is mm -hmm. the best stuff to listen to. And and I really like that it can just be part of the Apple ecosystem. But now I'm totally with him. I, after like listening to Beats One for a few weekends, I was like, there were just so many songs that I didn't like and I felt like I was in some weird club or something when I'm just trying yeah. to hang out. <laughs> the problem with Beats 1, what I was saying in my article, is with Beats 1, there's a I mean, it's one radio station and it's like, it's kind of a crazy idea. And, and, and like, hypothetically, there's something, you know, romantic about that notion that everyone all over the world is listening to the same radio song. Uh, but in practice, we're a diverse world with a lot of different tastes in music and only have one station that everybody's listening to, it happened too many times that I just have come across a song I didn't like 
And then what did I do? I just turned off Beats 1. Yeah, and a lot of it is occasion, too. Like, mm -hmm. I just like to listen to really different music depending on my mood or what's yeah. going on. Um, to be fair, it doesn't really answer Sarah's question because Beats 1 is free. That's the one thing you do get, Beats even if you don't. and Connect are free. So, yeah. So, you don't... That's not really a deciding factor, but... I guess I just don't really want to pay $10 a month. When I So I definitely am not auto So you, you don't use Spotify either then? Because Spotify is the same price. No, I just use... Um, for a while, I used Spotify and tried it out, and I liked it. But um, then I tried Apple Music, and now I'm a little bit undecided what I'm going to do. But for while I'm deciding, I'm not going to pay for anything <laughs> and just use the free radio service um, okay. of Spotify and Pandora. If I can convince family members to do the family deal with Apple Music, that's what I'm going to do because that's a good deal. Yeah, so Sarah, tell us about the family deal because we know you are our token Apple Music yeah. user. <laughs> yeah, I ended up subscribing. I actually, I did remember to turn off Auto Renew <laughs> and then but, I went oh. and turned it back on. <laughs> so I am subscribed. Uh, I, I mostly subscribe because I have a family and we're all on Apple Music and, and my daughter... At first, she was like, I'm not even going to use this. I'm using Pandora. And then a, a week ago, she said, are you going to subscribe to Apple Music? Like, I don't want to lose all my stuff. Like, yeah, that, so, that's part of it. You get hooked. And Spotify I, hooked I, me first. I, I have all my like playlists on there. The three-month free trial is kind of genius because I did sign up for a Spotify free trial, and I didn't get into it enough mm. in time to want to start paying. How long is the Spotify trial again? It's a month. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that isn't quite the same length. I mean, by two months, exactly. It's not the same thing. <laughs> but it's not enough time to really get invested. I will yeah. say, though, I, I think, Donna, you should use one of them. I think that every like, it's just such, it's such a game changer. Like, I think, like, just to take a moment to acknowledge the miracle that you can listen to almost any song in the world at any time for free and carry that around in your pocket, it's just incredible. And it, it's really, like, changed... I'm going to get sappy here. It's changed my life, guys. <laughs> I listen to music oh, just David. constantly. I know. <laughs> I listen to music all day. Like, I listen to it while I'm getting ready for work. I listen to it while I'm at work, when I'm driving home from work. And it's really made a big difference. I really like streaming services. I think Spotify music's the best. But if you want to do Apple Music, it's better than nothing, Donna. <laughs> I actually have really been enjoying um, being able to find new music with Apple Music. How do you go about that? Because for me, I haven't had the best luck. That, and that was my main complaint. Well, I found I have to, when I like something, I have to actually favorite it. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back in and adjust. You know, when you initially set it up, they're like, oh, tell us the people you like. And I had to go back and change that. I had to be like, actually, I thought I liked that person, but in practice, I never listened to them. So <laughs> goodbye. Or, and... And just doing those two things has really allowed me, now when I scroll through my For You thing, there's a lot more stuff that I will listen to. But I also have to say, I listen to a lot of the same things I did in high school. And everybody does. Your music taste just stops after high school. <laughs> and so I've been enjoying that too, rediscovering some of my uh -huh. old high school music. <laughs> How does that work with um, the family plan? Like, do you see all of your kids' music showing up in your feed? or does... no, no, I never, I mean, I, if she purchased music, which she'd have to get permission for me to do, then I could go and in, I think the iTunes store, right? And I could find it and, and also download it. But I don't see her music. She doesn't see mine, which is probably good. Nobody in my house likes the music that I listened to in high school, so. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I think, are we done? Do we have other topics to talk about? I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, if you haven't already, go make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also get iphonelife.com slash daily tips for daily tips, iphonelife.com slash insider. Uh, and tune in next week because we're going to do this weekly. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.